Good morning. All right. Thank you for that amazing introduction, Kobe. And uh, the pleasure has been all mine getting to know uh, one of your pastors and Kobe. Uh, it has been truly, truly a blessing um, getting to know him and to hear his heart. Um, and I'll be honest, uh, Kobe challenges me in many ways, just, uh, just a godly and a very, very dear brother. And uh, so I've, I've known uh, Pastor Keith uh, for quite some time as well. And so um, uh, Matthew Richardson and a few others here, uh, I, I also have had the privilege to get to know. So I feel like I'm at home. Is that okay? Can I feel like I'm at home? Good, good, good. All right. So uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> He's like, let's give him a round. Thank you. So uh, listen, I want to thank you guys. This is such a blessing for me to be with you guys this morning. Um, I, again, preparing for today, I got a chance to listen to some of your sermons. I said, let, let me listen to kind of where they've gone with, uh, you know, of course, the seven signs and got a chance to listen to a few guys. And I'm gonna just tell you, y'all got some flat out preachers in this church. Do you know that? I'm just telling you, like, you got some guys that can really break open the word. And uh, so I, I listen to a lot of different people. I listen to David Platt. I listen to, you know, Tim Keller. I listen to uh, Tony Evans. I listen to, you know, um, uh, what's the guy's name in Atlanta? Uh, Crawford Loris. Thank you, honey. Uh, she's like, you can't forget Crawford. And, uh, but, but now I'm going to listen to Kobe. And I'm going to listen to Jared and, and, and you know, and, and, and others here at this church uh, that I just, again, have been blessed listening to um, the sermons preparing for this time. So um, I want to also thank my family for being here. My wife and four kids are right here in the front. Along with a young man that I have the privilege of discipling, uh, one of our former basketball players who gave his life to the Lord and uh, is just a godly young man. He's playing pro ball overseas right now, uh, Corbin Collins. So as we prepare to take a look at this seventh sign, I want to give you a little background on John. Is that okay? All right, so how many gospels do we have? Good, good, good. All right, you got four gospels, all right? Of the four Gospels, three of them are considered to be what they call synoptic Gospels. Synoptic meaning similar, all right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels. John is not synoptic, which means it's not similar. John kind of marches to the beat of his own drummer. Now, to give you a little insight into what might be the reason for that, uh, John considered himself to be the closest to Jesus, you got the 12, obviously the 12 disciples, and then of the 12, you had the, and it's kind of like, like the inner circle. You got Peter, James, and John, right? But then my man John was like, and it's kind of like self-professed, like, you know, you know who he liked the most, right? It was me. And so from this closest disciple of Jesus, we get this different perspective and uh, just an amazing uh, book. First 12 chapters, we get a chance to see in John uh, it's from infinity because he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God from infinity until he's 33. And really not just 33, but the end of his life because the first 12 chapters are infinity to 33. The last, listen to this, nine chapters are his last week on earth, also known as the Passion Week. Pretty interesting, huh? 12 chapters from infinity to 33 and then one, and nine chapters just to cover one week. So, as Kobe mentioned in his first message, the overall message of this gospel is found in um, John 20, uh, 30 and 31. And it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, as we look at the seventh sign, I'm going to be covering 44 verses. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to be covering 44 verses. Now, I got a little disclaimer. Can't get up and leave either. It takes me 30 minutes to preach one verse. Hey, are we catering the food in? We got lunch coming? We're going to need dinner too. Okay, so, so honestly, this morning, that's my disclaimer. I'm going to be more of a narrator than a preacher. I will preach a little bit, but I'm going to be more of a narrator, so you guys bear with me on that. Uh, we're going to break these 44 verses into three bite-sized pieces. First one, the preparation for the sign, and that'll be uh, John 11, 1 through 16. The second bite-sized piece will be the arrival of Jesus, and that's John eleven seventeen through 36. The third one is the sign itself, the raising of Lazarus, that's John eleven thirty seven through 44. Here's my hope for you this morning. My hope and prayer is that this morning, God will change your paradigm on how you view adversity, struggles, and even hardships, okay? I hope that he'll literally change your mind. I got a chance to study John several years back. And in my study of John, it made me take a step back and made me realize the very things we complain about sometimes are the things that God is saying, I want to use this to help you know me a little bit more. The greatest gift that God can ever give us, listen to this closely, the greatest gift that God can ever give us is himself. And God wants us to experience his best which means he wants us to experience himself because he has nothing greater to offer you. And so I want want us to take a few lessons from this passage of scripture this morning. As we look at how the Lord allowed something to happen for the sake of helping some know him more and also for the sake of using some of those to make him known. Some of the adversity that God allows in your your life is so you can know him more. And other adversities are so that you can make him known. And some are for both. And so let's jump into the passage. The preparation for the sign. We're going to start with uh, verses 11, 1 through 2. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment, I'm sorry, with ointment, (laughs) and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so as we think about this preparation for the sign, I want want to make sure that we, we start right here. In order for this sign to happen, we're preparing for the sign, in order for this sign to happen, there had to be, listen to this, there had to be a need. And it couldn't just be any need. It couldn't be just a need that anyone can meet. It couldn't just be, hey, I lost my puppy. It couldn't just be, uh, you know, I had a bad hair day. It had to be a need that no one else could meet but God. Because every need that was met, God wanted to make sure that it pointed to the deity of Christ. And so I want you to think about that, that that was one of the prerequisites is that there had to be a need in order for there to be a sign. If you don't believe me, you guys, are on, we're on seven, right? Let's take a look. In order for Jesus to turn water to wine, 
Didn't they have to run out of wine first? Okay, good. All right. Number two, in order for Jesus to heal the official son, didn't Jesus' son have to be sick? Okay. All right. Number three, in order for Jesus to heal the man who was sick for 38 years, didn't he have to be sick for 38 years? Do you follow me? Listen, in order for Jesus to feed the 5,000, didn't, and it was really more like 20,000 when you consider uh, the women and children, but didn't Jesus have to have that many people assembled who were hungry and they couldn't get away to eat? There had to be that need. Jesus walks on water because the sea was rough and because of the, it was rough because of the wind. But listen, there's another sign that actually happens there. When he hopped in the uh, boat, they actually immediately were at land. They were way out in the middle of the water. He hops in the boat. That one's kind of glossed over, but we'll, we'll just leave it at one sign. So another one, Jesus heals the man, a man who was born blind, but he had to be born blind for him to do it. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, but he had to be dead. Do you understand that? And, 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 and I want to say this because, listen, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, when tough things happen to us, when adversities and when, when hardships come our way, a lot of times we want to say, why me? We definitely want Jesus. We love Jesus. But we also want comfort and we want ease. And Jesus is saying, guess what? I got something that's more valuable than ease and comfort. Sometimes through my hardship, sometimes through the struggle that I will allow in your life, I want to reveal more of myself to you. I want you to know me more. And I want you to make me even more known. See, what happens in our, as we face hardships, we realize that the difficulty is bigger than us. And that scares us. You want to to know what God's trying to teach us? Even though the struggle and the hardship is bigger than us, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than the struggle. He's bigger than the hardship. He alone is able to meet the need. All of these, Jesus performing all of these seven signs, listen to this, was to point to the fact that he could meet our greatest need. Every single one of us are sinners in need of a savior or, or once was or once were. Once we place our faith alone in Christ alone, that's the best decision that we'll ever make. And these seven signs are to point us to the fact that just like Jesus healed a man who was sick for 38 years, just like Jesus healed a man and allowed him to see who was born blind, just like he did that, he is also fully capable and willing to cover your sins. So, I want us to look at point number two. Jesus was invited to meet the need. So the first thing was, there had to be a need. Jesus was invited to meet the need. Verse three says, so the sister sent, him, sent to him saying, Lord, he who you love is ill. He who you love is ill. Now, let me ask you a question. What's your knee-jerk reaction their brother's ill, he's sick, all right? What's your first act reaction? Who do you call? What do you do? I want you to be honest. Because I want you to take a look at what their knee-jerk reaction was. Their knee-jerk reaction was to call who? Jesus. And I want you to see this, and I want you to really pay attention. I think a lot of us, we exhaust our resources before we actually go to the source. 
Jesus is the only, hey, God is the only source that we have. But a lot of times, before we even give him a glimpse, before we give him a thought, we've exhausted all of our resources. But guess what? God is the one who uses the resources in our lives. But there's only one source. And it's so interesting to see that Martha and Mary, knee-jerk reaction, went straight to the source. Now, this is the same Martha and Mary that had, you know, entertained Jesus. Remember uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42? He had come to hang out with them. Martha, busy, hanging out. Hey, got to get everything ready for Jesus. Okay, whew. And, and Mary, what is she doing? She's sitting at his feet. And so Martha's like, you know what? I'm serving. I'm doing, I'm, hey, Jesus, why don't you tell her to help me serve? I'm doing the good stuff, right? And Jesus tells Mary, I mean, Martha, listen, Mary has chosen a good part which will not be taken away from her. I want you to see this. Mary is sitting at his feet. Martha's learning from that. The bottom line is they're both spending time with him. And what we see is the time that they've spent with him leads them to, in their toughest moment, to knee-jerk reaction, I'm calling Jesus. The more we know Christ, the more we will trust him. The more we trust him, the more we'll believe him. The more we believe his word, the more we will obey him. They had spent so much time with Jesus that their knee-jerk reaction was to call the one that they knew and even more importantly, that they trusted. Now I want to lead us to three motivations for this sign. The first one we see in verse four, and it's for the glory of God. Verse four, he says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about what just happened. Lazarus is sick. And Jesus uh, Jesus is telling them, listen, this illness does not lead to death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We have all either asked this question or had someone ask us this question. Think about it. Think about what he just said. If God is good, why does he allow tough things to happen? Have you guys ever asked that question? Has anyone ever asked you that question? If God is good, why does he allow stuff like this to happen? Let's think about it. In this passage, we see that Lazarus is sick and will soon be dead. But in verse 4, Jesus makes it very clear that the answer is that it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Contrary to the teaching of some, this response from Jesus indicates that sickness and even death may sometimes be God's will for his people, for his glory. Second motivation for this sign is Jesus' love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let's listen to it. Y'all pay pay very, very close attention to this one. Now, Jesus loved Martha. Jesus what? Okay, good. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I'm laughing too, because I'm like, hold up, that doesn't matter. Let's play a little game, because we must be reading this wrong. We got to be reading this wrong. Let's play a little game. And here's the game. It's called, I'm going to read verse 5, part of verse 6. And I want you to fill in the blank using the key word that Jesus loved them. I want you to fill in the the, the second part of verse 6 
to help, uh, help us understand what's the most likely option. Because the one we just read, come on now. Really? Okay, let's go. Here we go. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, this is option one. He grabbed the closest horse and rode like the wind to save the day. Y'all think? Eh? Maybe? Did that what he? No? Okay. You get a chance to choose. Consider that one. Here's B. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he immediately, he immediately appeared back in Bethany and healed Lazarus. Immediately. Y'all remember uh, what he did in the boat? He hopped in the boat and all of a sudden they were at land. He could do that. He had done that. He could easily just, you know, okay, I'm here, 20 miles away, I'm there now. And he could easily heal them. That's option two. Option three. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he healed them from afar. He could do that, right? Like he did the official son. Okay, here, here's option number four. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Which one is it? Okay, we know which one it is. But I want you to look at this because this doesn't make sense to us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And, and, and I'm sharing this because as we go through our difficulties, our adversities, and our hardships, a lot of times we have a, a, so many questions. We question God's power. We question whether he's hearing our prayer, right? We question whether he cares. Sometimes we even question his ability. Can, can he even help us? You'll see that in a minute. That will come. But I want to challenge you. Never question any of those and never question his love. Because he says he loved them. And because he loved them, he waited two more days. Now, you guys will get a chance. We all will get a chance to see why he waited two days. And we'll get a chance to see the outcome in this situation. But your situation may never make sense. You may never be able to really figure out why it really happened. I want you to trust that a few things are always true. Whether, you know, whether, you can, whether it makes sense or not, he loves you. All right? He's committed to his glory. He's going to do what will honor him most, but at the same time, he loves you and he, and he is fully capable and sometimes willing to come right where you are and meet that need. But I just want to make sure that we don't doubt his love in those times. Final motivation for this sign. It was so that the disciples might believe. I'm going to read 11 through 15. It says this, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. When Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And he says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. We got to look at who he's talking to. 
These are the same disciples that in Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 4, 19, he says, hey, I want you to come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Those same disciples. Guess what? He was in the process of making them fishers of men. One key component in this moment is to help them really believe. All right? These are the same disciples, not only that had followed him, but that he was about to commission as apostles and sin to proclaim the gospel. Okay? To the nations, to make disciples of all nations. Those same disciples. There's no plan B, guys. There's no internet strategy. There was no social media strategy. Let's do a social media blitz. We won't get the gospel out. None of that was happening. No TV advertising scheme to get the gospel out. Listen to this. It was up to these 12 ordinary men. And if they were going to have a chance, they first had to truly believe that Jesus was undoubtedly the son of God. And so let's move to point number two, the arrival of Jesus. And we'll move a lot faster from this point forward. His arrival. Uh, we're looking at uh, 11 verses 17 through 19. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So Jesus had been in the city about 20 miles or about one day's travel from Bethany. So let's, get, let's take a look at the tomb time. The tomb timeline. Day one, the messenger comes to Jesus. But really, once the messenger left to go to tell Jesus, Lazarus died. Four days, right? He was in the tomb four days. As soon as the messenger left to go tell Jesus, Lazarus died. Day two, the messenger returns to Bethany. Took him a day to get there, told him, day to get back. Day two. Day three, Jesus waits another day and then he departs. Day four, Jesus arrives in Bethany. All right, upon his arrival, let's do a little roll check, see who's there. Now, when Jesus came, so Jesus is there, he found, and also the disciples are there, he found that Lazarus, Lazarus is there, had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews, the Jews are there, had come to Martha, Martha's there, and Mary, Mary's there, to console them concerning their brother. Y'all got the roll check? Okay, good. Now, I want you to really understand now we get a chance to take a brief glimpse into why we get to see why he allowed why he waited those two days there's an old song back in the day um, we used to sing it's, it uh, goes a little something like this it says he may not come when you want him but he'll be there right on time y'all ever heard that one he's an on time God yes he is all right listen listen Jesus's time was impeccable he arrives on the fourth day, and you're thinking, he's late. And he's thinking, you're wrong. Listen to this. The Jews believed that the soul hovered around the body for three days after death, hoping to re-enter it. But on the fourth day, only after noticing the start of the decomposing process, would the soul depart. At this point, the Jews would have recognized that only a divine miracle would restore him. Like I told you, we get a chance to see why he did what he did in their situation. It may never make sense in yours, but trust in all that you know about him. 
Trust that, guess what? The greatest gift he, he could ever give you is himself and trust that he wants you just to know him a little bit more and he's using whatever he's allowed, whatever he's brought into your life. He's saying, look, I want you to see me more through this circumstance, through this situation. I want you to make me known through this situation and through this circumstance. And so, John's explanation that Bethany was near Jerusalem highlights two things. One, Jesus, Jesus was taking a risk by coming to Bethany because many of the Jews in Jerusalem violently opposed him. But two, it also highlighted that uh, many Jews from Jerusalem had come to console Martha and Mary. And so the stage is being set, okay? Let's look at uh, a claim that he makes, that Jesus makes. So when Martha and Mary, we're looking at, uh, this is verse 20 through 27. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. He would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. It sounds like she really trusts that he can do this, doesn't it? Understand that Mary knew that God could, that Jesus could heal Lazarus. Mary know, Martha knows that she could have kept him from dying. But Martha doesn't really believe that he can raise him. Not right now. And you'll see that here at the end. And so I just want to show you. That Martha knows and she has a level of faith that she says, you know, I, I trust that God can. He's at least able. We don't ever know what he's willing to do. He is at least able to heal my brother. Or he could have. But in this situation, you know what? You'll see in a second that she doesn't really believe that he could heal him. And so she's going to grow and she's going to know him even more at the end of this passage. So he says this. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha thinks, oh, you're just trying to tell me what everybody else is telling me. You know, I'm going to see him at the, end, at the end of the age. You know, you're trying to console me. And I appreciate that, Jesus. But I know that. I mean, you know I know that. I know he's going to rise, you know, um, in the resur- on the last day. Jesus said to her, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So looking at verse 25, looking at his claim, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. John MacArthur He says that this claim may sound redundant, but it's not. He says that the one who believes in Jesus will live, even if he dies, because he will raise him on the last day. He also says that, and since everyone who lives and believes in him has eternal life, they will never die spiritually, since eternal life cannot be extinguished by physical death. He he ends with saying, as a result, all who trust in Christ can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And so we look at um, the next section. He says, hey, looking at his compassion, verses 28 through 36. When, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. They're like, girl, where are you going? Okay, we're coming with you. All right. Now, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, been here, my, my brother would, have not, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said to her, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, you see how he loved him? Look at it. He loved him so much. Listen, Jesus wept like the others. But the Greek word that describes his weeping is not kaleo, as in verse 33. But dakruo, a rare word used only here in the New Testament. In contrast to the loud wailing that everybody else was doing, that it was implied by Kaleo, Decruo has the connotation of silently bursting into tears. Can you get that visual? Here's our Savior. This is his guy. And he's not, oh! He just, <laughs> he silently bursts in tears. His emotions just overflow. He just can't hold it anymore. Again, another quote from MacArthur. MacArthur says that Jesus weeping emphasizes his humanity. It says, he truly was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53.3. So now the stage is set for the compassionate Savior to show all in attendance, the disciples, the sisters, and the Jews, that he is the resurrection and the life. Another roll check. We ready? This is raising the Lazarus. Okay. Doing a roll check. And this roll check... We don't want to just see who's here. We want to see who, who believes right now. Do you, are, they, are they with him yet? Okay. It says, but some of them could not. But some of them said, could, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? He said, hold up. This guy's supposed to be like, isn't this the same guy that, kept, you know, that opened the eyes of the blind man? So, so he couldn't keep him from dying? What? Again, guess what? All of them will know him more. They know him. Oh, well, yeah, he can help. No, no, they're about to know him a little bit more. They're about to see um, what he's really able to do. But in, in verse 37, we see the Jews are having doubts. In verse 39, let's read a little bit further. Even Martha's having some doubts. Same one that said, guess what? Hey, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. She also said, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. That's what she said. Let's see what she believes. Listen. 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. 39. Here we go. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, sure, Lord, I know it's time. You're going to do it. Do your thing like you always. No, no. She says. Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he's been in there four days. You follow me? Lord, you might have been able to help him, 
I knew that you were capable of doing, you know, you could have you healed him. And you might have been able to help him two days ago before he starts thinking. But now that he thinks, even you can't help him. That's what she's saying. Hey, 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 why are we, we kind of wasting our time here? You know, come on, Lord. Hey, I don't want you to get embarrassed right here, man. You see all these people watching? They kind of came to hang out with me. All these people go, you can't do this, man. You can't. He stinks. Nobody could do that. Martha was about to know him a little bit more. Whenever I'm struggling, guys, with doubt about God's ability to do anything, absolutely anything, I do two things. And my kids will attest to this because I say it to them all the time. And Jonathan's waving his hand because he wants to say the answer. (laughs) He really is. I pray that God will help me to believe the truth that he has revealed in Scripture. If I'm doubting God's ability, hey, I'm believing a lie. Lord, will you? So my first prayer, Lord, help me believe the truth. But then guess what I do next? I preach the truth to myself. I pray and I preach. Well, I might need to switch it up because in this situation, Jesus preached to her and then he prayed. (laughs) Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Jesus is preaching the truth to her. Come on, Martha, we talked about this. I told you if you believe, I I, I got you. you. Just be patient. Guess what, guys? We all need someone who will preach, preach the truth to ourselves when we're unable to. Do you have friends like that? I know you got some pastors like that because <laughs> I hear what they preach. Listen, we need people who will preach the truth to us when we are unable to preach it to ourselves. Jesus is challenging her also to stop focusing on the problem. Stop looking at that. Stop smelling it. Look at me. Watch what I'm going to do. His prayer, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of these people around that they may believe that you sent me. Translation, Lord, you know, I'm just trying to pray and make sure these folks really get it. I came from you. The prayer was more so for them than it was between uh, Jesus and the Father. Point number four, finally here. We get a chance to see him raise Lazarus. Uh, 11, chapter 11, verses 43 through 44. It says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen and strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And no one really knows why he screamed out so loudly. But some say that, you know, he wanted to make sure. That was a huge crowd that had, that had gathered. He wanted to make sure that everyone had a chance to hear exactly what he said. And it would give them that chance to believe. They heard him calling Lazarus come out. Then they saw Lazarus come out. Someone else has said, we better be glad that Jesus called Lazarus by name. <laughs> because if he didn't, all the dead would have come out. <laughs> and... Uh, but I want you to take, pay attention to one last thing. Jesus tells them to unbind him and let him go. Why is he doing that? He says, unbind Lazarus, unbind him and let him go. He's involving as many people 
to participate in this sign that he can so that they can be witnesses who not just saw it. They didn't just see it. They felt it. Guess what? He tells them, roll, on, roll away the stone. Guess what? God, he, Jesus don't need anybody, any help rolling away the stone. He could say it. He could think it. It'll happen. Roll away the stone. So the Jews that, that rolled away that stone, when they're telling the story, or when, when the guys, yeah, listen, hey, we just saw Jesus. He raised this guy. Remember Lazarus? Yeah. yeah. Everybody was going down to uh, Bethany to, 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 to console these uh, two girls. That was his brother. That was their brother. Hey, listen, we saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, he was stinking. Yeah, yeah. He was really, we smelt it. Yeah, my man, my, my man over here, he, he actually rolled a stone away. And, and him, him over here, yeah, he took some of the cloth. He took some of the strips off him. Can you imagine that? Not only did those guys believe, we'll see here in a second, not only did they believe, they, were, they became witnesses for him. They began, they were too excited. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to go tell everybody what they had seen Jesus do. I want to take one last roll call. They, I want you to tell me whether you think they believe now. Everybody's seen it. Do you think they believe now? Believe that he really is the son of God? The disciples, do they believe? I think so. What about Martha and Mary? You better believe they do. <laughs> what about Lazarus? You think he believes? <laughs> yeah. What about the Jews? It's tricky. Thank you, sir. It's tricky. Verse 45 and 46. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. They did what? That's awesome. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Can you believe that? Does that not break your heart? They just saw Lazarus come out of the grave. They smelt him. He's really dead. They saw it. And they still said, no, 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 no. We're going to to tell them. We'll tell the Pharisees. They didn't believe. Some of them did, but some of them didn't. I hope, hopefully that'll grip your heart. And hopefully that will um, just give you a desire to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess what? You've made the most important decision that you'll ever make, which is to accept him as your Lord and Savior. No greater gift that God could ever offer you except himself. And you've made the best decision by accepting him. He's saying, look, I just want you to know me more. After this, John, listen to this, he draws the curtain on the scene. Listen to this. Think about what we could have heard. There was no description of Lazarus's tearful reunion with Martha and Mary. Oh, we missed you those four days. No tearful, no, no report on the stunned reactions of the crowd. Man, let me tell you what I saw. <laughs> None of that. Not even a report on Lazarus's experience after the resurrection. If anybody's going to get an interview, he's got to get one, right? John pulls the curtain. That's it. That's all I want you to see. Because all of this, guys, would have distracted from his reason for sharing the sign. And that was so that the Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified and that the readers of John's gospel might believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. As I close, again, I really want you to think. My prayer is that God, if not, 
if, if he hasn't changed your paradigm on the way you view uh, struggles, needs, hardships in your life, hopefully he is changing it. Because understand that every opportunity that we have to face hardship, it reminds us of our great need for him. And it reminds us that, listen, the greatest gift that he could ever give us is himself. And it helps us to understand that there's no greater joy that we will ever experience than just pursuing him. And as we live that life, as we suffer like that, we make him known. Because everyone who watches says, man, look at that peace in the midst of their storm. Look at their joy in the midst of their pain. They know their God. I want to know him too. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this day.